Hi, this is David. Eating right is often hard these days, but eating better is easy with Factor's ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. Their meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Discover Factor's wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Palace of Mirrors and Other Essays by Joseph Frank Thompson, published in 1891. There is an old Turkish proverb that says, during the pilgrimage, everything does not suit the taste of the pilgrim. When making a long journey on foot, we enjoy many pleasures and endure many discomforts. No two days and scarcely any two hours of the same day are precisely alike. The scenery is sometimes varied and interesting, while at other times it is uniform and tiresome. There are long stretches where the road is shaded by trees, and the air is cool with morning dew and sweet with the breath of flowers. And there are also places where we are parched with heat and choked with dust. Frequently we fall in with companions whose sympathy increases our pleasure, or whose cheerfulness makes us forgetful of our hardships and occasionally we are quite alone, or would like to be and cannot, which is worse. Such things are to be expected. They happen to every traveler, and the sum of our pleasures will be greater or less according to the kind of experience upon which our disposition inclines us to dwell. It is so in the journey of life. The one like the other has its rough places and its smooth, and no traveler can hope to escape its hardships while enjoying its delights. It lies amid scenes of grandeur and beauty, but it also traverses many regions that are wasted and desolate. The portion of the journey already completed has had its contrasts of grief and gladness, Pain and pleasure alternate in its progress, 
and there is no reason for believing that its remaining stages will be marked by either constant misfortune or unbroken blessing. Whether subject to these conditions, we have found, and shall continue to find, the journey worth making depends very much upon whether we have the genius for getting the most enjoyment and the least discomfort from our experiences. The proportion of good and evil fortune isn't the same in every life. Still, in view of the fact that every blessing has its price, and nearly every calamity its compensations, the inequalities are often more imagined than real. Many poor people have as much to be thankful for as those whose wealth is reckoned by millions. A kind disposition may win for an exceedingly homely person a love which the rarest physical beauty would be powerless to inspire. It is even true that invalids frequently have mental and social resources that fit them for better enjoyments than the most abundant health can supply. But however this may be, the fact remains that health and sickness, possession and bereavement, friendship and enmity, attainment and disappointment, though variously mingled, are common elements in all our lives. They constitute the sweetness of memory and its bitterness as well. They make the sunshine and shadow of the passing hours, and their myriad possibilities give to our vision of the future its brightness and its gloom. It is usually possible to discover what we constantly are inclined to search for. If we look for selfishness and hypocrisy, we are more than likely to find them. But purity, truth, and honor lie also within equal range of our vision. There are people who abuse our confidence and reward our kindness with ingratitude. But there also are those whose love and constancy are fully equal to our needs. There are plenty of things in our daily life to cause the brow to scowl and bring the droop of discouragement to the lips if we think of them alone. But there are quite as many causes for smiles and laughter if we yield ourselves to their enchantment. Our happiness thus will largely depend upon our inclination to make more of our blessings than we do of our misfortunes to forget our griefs and remember our joys, to think more about the roses in life's garden than the thorns that make their plucking less easy than we would wish, and to expect the best rather than the worst among the many things that may befall us. There is an old story of two buckets that hung in the same well. They passed each other many times a day on their way to and from the watery bottom. One day one bucket asked the other what had occurred to make it look so melancholy. Oh, nothing new has happened, was the reply. It is the same old story. 
I was just thinking, as I so often do, how discouraging it is that no matter how full we come up, we always go back empty. Why, that is an odd way of looking at it, said the other bucket. For my part, I was just congratulating myself that no matter how empty we go down, we always come up full. There is as much difference among human beings as there is between those two buckets. Amid the same circumstances, with like memories and equal prospects, one person may be forlorn and another cheerful. Their unlike temperaments absorb different emotions from the same surroundings. As lilies distill fragrance and nettles poison, from the same soil and under the same conditions of rain and sunshine. If all the landscape were blossoming with blessings, there still would be people sweeping the horizon with a telescope in search of trouble. And there are those who, if their life contained but a single source of gladness, would be sure to find it as hardy plants force their roots amid the fissures of some granite wall, thus derive nourishment for the growth that lifts their leaves into the sunlight. Our daily life has its horizon of past and future, and needs for its completeness the pleasures of hope and the joys of memory. These also are permitted to us all, but they must be separated from the vain regrets and useless fears that are equally possible, as grain is winnowed from its chaff, and flowers are culled from the midst of weeds that the same soil nourishes. Let us say that we are spending a summer vacation in the country. Without much searching, we can likely find a spot where the shade of a tree will protect us from the sun, where the open space about us will give access to a cool breeze, where a creek will ripple an accompaniment to the rhythm of the poem which we read, and where when our eyes are lifted up from the book, they will rest upon an agreeable scene. On the other hand, it is equally possible to find a dense thicket on the border of a swamp, where we shall be stung by mosquitoes and poisoned by stagnant water. And if we sit there every day, our summer will be worse than wasted. Our memories and our anticipations constitute just such a landscape. In our moments of meditation, we can recall pleasant recollections and contemplate cheerful possibilities, or we can muse upon our sad experiences and prospects that are dark and threatening. The first is evidently the way of wisdom, yet how many people there are who do the last, thus enduring a thousand times those disappointments and heartaches which it is bad enough to have borne once, while also suffering the full bitterness of innumerable evils that may never happen at all. There are those to whom the most absolute prosperity brings no cheerfulness at all, 
because their thoughts are busy with past calamities and future misfortunes. And there are others whose happiness the darkest night of adversity is powerless to destroy, because the glow of yesterday's sunset lingers in their heart until their eyes behold the dawn that heralds a better tomorrow. There's a story that used to be told of a man who went to console a famous doctor about a rheumatic ailment from which he suffered. In describing his symptoms, the patient said, When I raise my arm in this way, it hurts so bad that I can hardly stand it. To which the doctor bluntly answered, What a fool you must be to do it then. The doctor's criticism would have been equally sensible if the man had complained of a soreness in his memory instead of his shoulder. Even if life contains but one trouble, we still would be always miserable if we were continually brooding over it, touching that tender spot in our recollection, as we sometimes do a bruised finger, just to see if it still hurts. The tendency toward such folly may be an unfortunate part of human nature, but the fact that it has come through no fault of our own avails us nothing, since we must bear the consequences. It makes thus a great deal of difference whether we fight against the tendency or encourage it. Unable to change by direct volition the current of our thoughts, we can busy ourselves with something that demands our full attention and will make such fruitless brooding for a time impossible. For example, we can read a book about fortunes of other people and substitute wholesome smiles and laughter for useless sighs and tears. Or if we can find someone to laugh with us, that will be better still since a pleasure shared is more than doubled. However, if we can devise some means of affording happiness to one whose need is greater than our own, that is the best of all. Remember that as a rule it is not well to live much in the past, whether its memories are sweet or bitter. We should take our example from nature who treats the things that have been only as material for the new creations on which she is working. The past is the stepping stone by which we have reached the present, and our faces should chiefly be turned toward the nobler heights on which we are resolved to stand.